0: listeners and welcome to a very classy episode of edge guard the podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe uh my name is blake and my classy co-host is uh, is jordan hello
1: that's jordan. me you think i'm classy oh thanks i think you're a real
0: class act mister wow that's so thanks bud thanks friend you're welcome <laughs> uh old chap
1: <laughs> oh british right. now
0: well yes actually we are we are british we're getting in the spirit uh to to uh, enter the 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 world of formula one i've tricked you jordan i've hoodwinked you ah, i've been and, tricked
1: uh, despite uh, my th- best efforts to avoid uh blake's uh new <laughs> obsession with formula one it's I only have been roped is in. it
0: still new i guess like it's been like this year or nine i months don't know at this point no, yeah yeah that's fair that's I'd say fair. one
1: one year is when it's not new. Then you're a veteran okay. uh, fan.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, the amount of
1: Formula One... Hey, actually, the amount of hours you put in is maybe what should really matter, yeah, in which case I've been,
0: I was working overtime for uh, <laughs> quite a few of those months, okay? Uh, this week, we played a game called Mott's Grand Prix. That's M-O-T apostrophe S, Grand Prix, uh, which is a uh, Pico 8-developed... Uh pseudo 3d formula one racing game. Uh, so it's sort of uh, in the vein of some classic formula one games from the eighties and nineties where uh, sort of burgeoning 3d graphics or using uh, consoles that were only meant to do 2d kind of uh, using uh, different techniques to try and simulate 3d to create formula one racing games. Because Formula One, as I found out over the course of the last year, extremely popular in like Europe and Britain, especially and across yeah, the world Totally. Uh, compared to here where uh, until recently I had one friend who was like, Formula One's cool. And then everyone else was like, whatever. We don't listen what to you. What are cars? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't care about cars. Why would I care about race cars? Flash forward a year. I care about race cars. It's messed up. Uh, but uh, anyway, it comes at you fast. It, it really does. It, but not as fast as a Formula One racing car, <laughs> uh, which can travel at speeds up to. No, I'm sorry. Uh, first of all, I don't have the speeds off the top of my head. But second of all, we're not going to we're not going to do that. Uh, but we are going to talk about this game. And by extension, we're going to talk about Formula One a little bit just because it's hard not to. Uh, so. What did you think of this game as a person who, I mean, what else do we need to get into first? Actually, I guess the developer Tom Mulgrew is the person who developed this game. Seemingly, uh, this person has, uh, quite a background of developing, uh, pseudo 3d as, as they call it, uh, racing games. We, we looked at their itch page and they have, uh, no fewer than three other, uh, sort of, first person i guess they're not are they all first person no no one of them's third person, no one's
1: third yeah they
0: all have a sort of uh retro uh simulate or not it's not really simulated 3d i don't know how you describe this exactly
1: yeah uh, i i know what you mean by so yeah when you said pseudo 3d i was like oh i i didn't know that term but it does that does feel like the right way to describe it because it's like it that's is, how
0: that's how Mott himself or their self, excuse me. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ascribed it on the on the four or not the excuse me the page. It says pseudo. I assume three it has to do research.
1: with probably the way the 3D. I mean, just the the fact that your like view distance is so short and the the mm-hmm. fact that you're transfixed in one spot in space relative to the screen. Uh, I'm um, gonna, I'm
0: gonna go, I'm gonna go, uh, armchair graphics programmer on you. Do it. Uh, my understanding is that uh, in the early '90s, when 3D, when when game engines were not built to support 3D, uh, basically early 3D games, what we would consider 3D that are meant to look 3D, like Wolfenstein in particular, uh, mm. sort of use techniques within a 2D engine to uh, basically simulate 3D without actually being real 3d which it's it's at this point it's kind of hard to say that's not real 3d uh right because if it looks like it's three dimensions it's all it's all virtual in like a monitor and we're looking at it on a two-dimensional plane but yeah, if it looks yeah, yeah. 3d enough then it's like okay you're kind of splitting hairs it's 3d yes it's 3d totally. it's 3d uh but my understanding is that uh, early efforts like something like Star Fox, for example, running on the Super Nintendo, which was not built to do 3D but uh, had two dimensional elements that uh, you could use. Um, oh, what is the special? They, they, there's the advanced graphics chip that some uh, Super Nintendo games had uh, that gave the ability to put a sprite and like wrote on a plane that was rotated on a different axis. I, I, for some reason, I can't think of what uh that is called parallax is similar but i don't think it's parallax anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and then they figured out hey we can do that and it it sort of looks like the plane of the ground moving out into the distance and we can put other stuff m- moving in such a way that it looks like three dimensions and and then boom you have three dimensions you have you know Mario Kart and Star Fox uh and seemingly uh Mott's Grand Prix which is made in Pico 8 which is sort of designed as a way to limit yourself. It's it's a it's a game engine basically, a, an eight bit game engine designed yep. to uh, have a similar but not the same set of constraints that working on uh, retro hardware like a Super Nintendo would have. Uh, but in a modern super accessible format we've played a bunch of pico 8 games at yeah, this point yeah and I, I i want to
1: just say like even if you don't play this game you should just check out the the website and see some game footage and just like compare that to other pico 8 games just so uh-huh. you can be really impressed <laughs> with yeah. the uh, the like fidelity to like that era of racing game that yeah, this not- game manages to accomplish in Pico 8. It's astonishing. Like the other Pico 8 games we've played, many of them are like 2D uh turn based golf. Like there's right. like a little thing moving through a 16 by 16 grid. Like that's the kind of stuff I mean, we're we're I, doing I in own, Pico 8.
0: I own uh Pico 8 at some point early on in the in the pod. I mean it was like twenty bucks or something to buy Pico 8. I messed around with it a little bit and those dev tools are uh they're easy to use but like <laughs> I have no concept of how you would make something of this complexity using those tools. Uh, yeah, I don't know seriously. if, if there are tools built on top of it that make this kind of thing simpler or, or what, but they're just the sheer number of thi- It's like, it's amazing to look at this kind of like, uh, you know, by modern standards, very simplistic 3d representation of a race car game Uh, and be like think of it as a technical showpiece but i kept taking note of how many like features that i would consider like very like modern racing game features Mm. that are in this like simulated in this game or a part of the visual presentation that it's i don't know it's just something about it is just extremely impressive
1: i yeah it is i i like the way you put it that there's something you know Funny about seeing something so intentionally retro as a like technical feat, but it totally right. is. If you like, you know anything about Pico A, it's just like, man,
0: <laughs> yeah, good yeah. job. It's, I mean, I even wrote I, the 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 sort of technical uh, impressiveness sort of outweighs uh the the game design or may, maybe not the game design but the actual playing of the game at least for me this is a this is a hard game uh I yeah will say. it is a hard game so and, yeah i um
1: and i just wanted to say we were joking about this before the podcast but on um tom mulgrew's uh um twitter he, he mentions that he's a basic 4gl creator which i guess is a, a open gl uh, library for the basic programming language. So we were joking that it seems like uh, Tom Mulgrew would, really likes a technical challenge. You know, yeah. he's just I like, thought,
0: you know what? Programming video I games is notoriously games? easy. <laughs> I need
1: it to be as hard as possible. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think, uh, that it's good that you bring that up because I, I definitely think, uh, Pico eight and other similar, uh, Uh, engines and technologies have have sprung up as a way for uh, people to first of all like sort of get in touch with the the past of game development uh, but also to just sort of add fun and interesting like challenges and constraints to game design uh, because you kind of have to think about how you make your game totally differently uh, when instead of here's an engine like unreal or unity that a large number of games that are highly complex are made in. Uh, so you can do all that or someone could do all that. Maybe you can't, but (laughs) all of that possibility is there versus something that says the, the possibility space on a technical level is seemingly much, much smaller. Although (laughs) I think, uh, Tom Mulgrew is definitely, uh, proving that it's not as small as it might seem. Uh, but I do think that uh, like there's a certain uh, hobbyist communities uh, for whom like these kind of tools are a fun way to to make things more enjoyable. And honestly, I think for uh, like people who maybe have programming as a job, uh, like myself, uh, it's like a different kind, something that doesn't feel like modern programming is probably more enjoyable to spend your free time on than like doing more of what you do at work all day. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you think about these sort of like hobbyist communities around this, this sort of thing?
1: Uh, can't relate. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) I, I think it is, um, I mean, one thing that I was thinking about that, uh, that I feel like the, um, the, the constraint sort of like makes you almost like relive the, like an earlier, earlier age of, um, of, of programming like the the things that are have been ex- abstracted away from the in the frameworks that people typically use like something like unity like you know when you start in a unity game there's like just a lot of stuff about the basic logic that is you know shared by so many games that it's like you don't need to prepare it yourself but um, uh, but you know that this was not how it was when, um, people were making games in the '90s or something like that. So it yeah. seems like part of the appeal is like, um, br- bringing those aspects of game pro- programming back into play, like stuff that yeah. is just like so settled in in right. game design that you don't even need to think about it, but suddenly you do.
0: Yeah. If if people are interested in uh this subject. There's a really good YouTube channel. Um, I, I don't know what the actual name is. The the if you search for uh, Strafe Fox, all one word, S T R A F E F O X, they have a bunch of videos uh, about sort of retro game development. They're all really hmm. well researched and well represented. They have a series called "How Video Games Were Made," uh, and it goes through uh, like the it's kind of like NES workflow, and it re- breaks down. The, the technical elements of what it took to make one of these games, but it's, it's not, you don't have to be a technical person to watch this video. They're, <laughs> uh, they're very, uh, consumable videos. And a lot of the sort of anecdotal history I've been, uh, referencing comes from these videos that I've, I've watched most of them several times cause they're really interesting, uh, to, to look at. They have a making of star Fox one that talks about, um, a lot of what I was discussing earlier of sort of Mm. how do you make something that's made for 2d do something that looks 3d. Um, so if people are interested, check out that YouTube channel, uh, the how video games were made series. And then just, they have a bunch of the making of blank game and go to whatever game you think is cool and go learn about how it was made because it was probably a lot more arduous than you realize. Uh, even compared to uh today's video game development which is notoriously uh, a brutal industry but um anyway
1: yeah did, re- I did wanna I'm, I'm reminded of that video that went uh um, viral about the uh, fast inverse square root that sure. was was used in I think it was quake right like they had to yeah. find some like very hackish looking way to uh calculate uh the inverse square root which you need quickly quickly
0: vector math
1: um and it's just so funny to imagine like that being the level of abstraction that you're working with like right like you know that is not you know the 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 basic like geometry of your game space is not something you need to be like hand implementing in, in most uh modern game engines so it's just a very uh, sort of um blast from the past to think about when that was not something you could
0: take for granted yeah yeah turns out um so shall we talk a little bit more about this actual game i'm, I'm curious what your thoughts and feelings are on this game as a person who uh doesn't care about formula one but has increasingly had more and more formula one in your life yeah, over the last uh-huh. year as myself and most of our friends have gotten into the sport
1: okay that's so fair question so well let me just open by saying uh i dislike racing games so i have a um I <laughs> like have actively a, dislike uh i've just never re- I've, i'm really bad at them and okay. i've i never had a like a racing game that i like spent the time to get good at so i i probably i'm not like categorically opposed to them but it's not like you know racing games are one of those genres that it's kind of like there's shared uh skills between different games in the genre and if you're good at you know one racing game you have a a leg up if you try to play another one like mm-hmm. you know w- once you know how to play a first person shooter you're already you know kind of got it down when you play the next one and i feel like there. i just lack that for racing games so i just mm-hmm. always feel like so incompetent when i try to to play them so okay. um that being said this is also just a really hard game um yeah. and i think <laughs> that they it is very um i, I have a memory of like playing a, like for example arcade racing games as a kid mm-hmm. and finding them extremely difficult so mm-hmm. i i wonder if this is a uh, you know being um you know having some fidelity to the the source material but, um, but yeah, I cannot for the life of me hit a turn in this, in this game without going off the track or just spinning out entirely, like I try okay. as I might. Well, um, I
0: will, I will say in your defense, as a person who has, uh, increasingly enjoyed racing games over the last few years. And I mean, generally there I've, I've enjoyed arcade racing games, uh, in the, you know, burnout paradise is a favorite of mine. Uh, but I recently, of course, in getting into F1, uh, part of that is like, they make those F1 games. Then I could be the F1 guy. Uh, and that's pretty fun to get into, even though it's a little bit more, I mean, Uh, definitely people, including friends of ours, would argue that that's not real simulation racing, which is fine. I don't want that. (laughs) However, it does uh, it is good at inspiring the sort of uh, feeling of driving a race car. All that to say, this game is hard. And uh, I also found it uh, difficult. I played almost exclusively on easy difficulty. Although I will say by the end of my tenure, I was consistently getting first place and feeling like it was getting a little too... I was getting good enough that... Easy was feeling a little boring. Uh, but then I tried to go up to medium and I just got my and ass it's stuck in seventh place. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's quite I, got, a jump. I felt like I
1: could get first place on easy semi consistently. I think I did a couple times. And then yeah. on medium, I don't think I ever got above fourth. Yeah. Like I just uh I tried uh hard. I never even tried expert. I tried hard once, just got absolutely
0: Oh god, I didn't even know there was demolished. anything above hard.
1: Um yeah, there's yeah, expert.
0: They would, they would wreck me. I, I, here's, here's my argument though. Uh, first of all, as I, as I felt myself getting better, it felt like when I first started playing, I was like, it is impossible. Like the, the gif and the videos on the itch page. I don't understand how that's possible. That's the, those people are too good. It's this, <laughs> it's too hard to do that. Uh, but as I played it more, I started getting a feel for how to control it. I still think it's a little bit, uh, finicky, but, but here's my argument is that I have watched a few videos of um, this this game explicitly in the itch page. They call out uh, Grand Prix Circuit and Continental Circus and, quote, a bunch of other 80s slash 90s racers I've forgotten uh, as influences to this game. Uh, and I have seen uh, quite a few videos of these influences. Turns out if you watch a lot of videos about Formula 1 and a lot of videos about video games, you get recommended a lot of videos about Formula 1 video games. And some of those... <laughs> are games that this is sort of uh, inspired by and, and the sort of trope it's playing in, uh, which is to say that the experience I was describing of like, I want to sort of have some sort of simulation of what it feels like to be a formula one driver. People have wanted that as probably as long as they've watched (laughs) formula one. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Uh, And so as soon as, I mean, even before uh, I think, Here's the real thing, before graphics technology could even really do that, developers were trying to force it. I mean, I watched uh, this video that is just some channel that they do the history of X genre and they just get a 15 second clip of a zillion games and it's just a silent, or not a silent video, it's just all game audio of just, like, here's a clip of a game for 15 seconds, and then here's, like, the next game in the quote-unquote genre. So they had a Formula One game. So I watched the sort of evolution of Formula One games, uh, and, yeah, I think I think the sort of desire to have a simulated Formula One experience from the cockpit rather than sort of a top-down yeah, racing game. Yeah, or I, think,
1: of- I think that's, like, a key part of the fantasy, right? Like, totally. Like, like, literally just seeing other cars and the stands and the road from the point of view of the cockpit, I think it's just like such a huge, huge part of the appeal.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> but also another element that seemed pretty key to me is seeing the instrumentation on the inside of the car, seeing the wheel. Yes. Yes. Seeing, totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, seeing gauges and, and yeah, uh, indicators, yeah. uh, you know, lit up. Um, it's a big part of, you know, I think uh, formula one, uh attracts a lot of sort of like technically minded people because people who are interested in the engineering of the cars and stuff so having all that stuff on the dashboard is is a is a is a way to bring you into the experience more than just like oh i'm driving a race car it's like oh i can drive a race car in other race car games but this one's a Formula One car, and uh, I assume that many of those games tried to like sort of simulate some of the the sort of systems uh, that the cars use. I guess uh, part of me isn't totally sure about how if the cars were. I'm sure they were not always as complex as they are now, but they have a lot of uh, complicated systems that have to be operated and monitored while the the driver is uh, is operating the car. Uh, but. It's I think the cool element of this game is that sort of heritage of uh, trying to use uh, whatever hardware was available at the time to give people a way to say, look at what it could be like, you know, and I think we kind of take that for granted when we have (laughs) like you know relatively photorealistic looking <laughs> games where you know the developers have been given access to basically make 3D like stri- extremely detailed 3D models of everything and like there's technology to scan real world tracks so that they're brought into the game at a, a level of detail that's near indistinguishable and even beyond uh I mean there there are some hardcore racing simulations that simulate so many elements that uh people who start racing in sims have found success racing in real life cars because the simulations are that good at teaching you how to drive cars it's pretty amazing (laughs)
1: um so one part of the uh simulation of this game so to speak that i was sort of curious about um that i feel like is kind of a seems like something that you could tinker with is um the amount of i I don't know what word to use but like slipperiness in turns uh like the the threshold of oh you mean uh, oversteer uh i don't know what that means but like the threshold of the amount of speed and the sharpness of your turn Uh that is the point at which you will you know don't make that horrible noise that is the i assume the skidding noise of uh-huh. course it almost sounds like a weird alarm um and then you'll kind of begin to lose uh lose control but i was sort of um uh i mean partially this is just due to me being bad at the game but it felt like it was very uh strict you know the the window was quite small and i was mm. i was skidding a lot And I, I don't know if I have anything intelligence to say about, uh, (laughs) that, but I, I, was just, um, uh, interest. I was just, I just started thinking about like how different the feel of the game could be if you make that window more or less generous. Yeah. Um, and I also, I didn't like test this very closely, but does that, did it feel like that window changed based on difficulty? Um, or was difficulty mostly based on the skill of the other cars? I
0: I felt like the, the difficulty was just the skill of the other drivers, but, uh, don't, don't quote me on that. Yeah, Um, totally. Uh, so yeah, let's have, let's have a little racing lesson, Jordan. Wouldn't you love that? Oh,
1: you know, I, I know that's what you want, so I wouldn't, I would never take that from you. So,
0: so, so like I said, uh, what, what you're talking about, I mean, You're losing traction, right? You, you put too much spin in the tires and, uh, the, the wheels don't have enough traction to actually make that speed the car up. So your wheels slip and the car, I mean, think about like drifting in your car, but in racing terms, they call that oversteer because basically the car is moving more than your steering input, right? Because if you, if you turn, if you turn left and you start to lose traction, your car is going to keep moving. Uh, you know, the back end of the car is going to move to the right as if you've cranked the wheel harder than you have. So they call it oversteer and they call the opposite of that where you're trying to turn into a corner hard and the car just won't go in. They call that understeer. Right. So uh, a, a big element of like Formula One and racing is the idea that you're you're on the limit, which is to say uh, these drivers are are so good that they they have an innate sense of the exact limit of where the car will lose traction and they're at that limit as much as possible uh and so there's Uh. this kind of uh concept that you know if you can keep the car on the limit the whole time the, the greatest drivers could keep the car on the limit for an entire race distance or whatever uh you know so so i think i really like that element of of this game because i and and i'm curious if other games or the the games that this is sort of modeling from the 80s and 90s had this sort of uh level of simulation uh because i'm certainly not used to it in something like you know mario kart or something else that would have been released (laughs) in the early 90s or late 80s uh But to me, it felt really cool. I mean, uh, and like the fact that there's a different sound effect, so you know, like, oh, the car is sliding out from under me. Yeah, Um, which was a nice
1: touch because you sometimes it sometimes takes you a moment to realize it visually. So it it was nice to get that immediate feedback.
0: But even another element that I really really liked is that a small amount of that is actually helpful to you because if you're struggling, if you're going a little bit too fast and you're not going to make a corner having just a tiny about of oversteer, letting the car, you know, bring itself around the corner, even though you've, you've brought it in with too much speed, uh, you know, feels really good. And in fact, uh, certain drivers have that driving style where they're able to manipulate that, that oversteer to get the car around a corner that it should be going too fast for, but they, you know, somehow are able to just hold on to enough traction to keep that car going the direction they want it to uh that it's you know i, th- I feel like uh ireton senna mm-hmm. in s- in specific you can watch videos of him driving and you can you can see it looks like the car is going to fly off the track at any minute but <laughs> somehow he's he's keeping it he's keeping it on the road uh so he's, I really he's making like, sure
1: that the little green bar isn't in the red
0: right right exactly and he's <laughs> hey, wait is that what the is that what the bar is at the top
1: uh supposedly i was reading that it uh i found where did i find this it was in um yeah if you look on the itch page underneath tips uh it says use the color of the uh oh no that's the racing light yeah Uh, that's i I wasn't i wasn't sure if the um the the idea was that like red speed on your bar corresponded to a red spot on the racing line you were going too fast like
0: i i my understanding of that is that it was it was the the rpms of the engine uh for shifting even though this game doesn't have manual shifting uh because the the modern formula one cars have something that look exactly like that on the steering wheel that tells the driver when to shift uh
1: aesthetic
0: thing then yeah, that's that oh, was okay. that was what I thought, but I but I also wasn't sure. Yeah, uh, I mean neither. I
1: didn't really think about it very much while I was playing. I was yeah. I was using the racing lines to
0: judge yeah. when to. Which I'm glad to bring up the racing line because I want to shout that out. That's one of the features I was kind of alluding to when I was talking about it having a feature that is, uh, you know, commonplace in a modern racing game, but at this time was not commonplace at all. Is not only does it have a racing line, it has a dynamic racing line that changes color depending on whether you're coming in too hot for a corner which like mm-hmm. even even games in like the PS2 generation uh and I think even into like the the Xbox 360 generation didn't have this feature it's a pretty modern feature so the fact that it works and works well in a pico eight game was just another thing that I was like damn props to you yeah that You have a racing line on the track, and it you know dynamically can tell you whether you're going too fast or uh you know a safe speed to get around a corner. Pretty impressive. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. I thought it was super impressive, and I think it also um is even more helpful in uh this style of pseudo pseudo three D game than it is in a modern racing game because of the uh, limitation of you having a very uh short um view distance i guess like the distance from uh-huh. your car to the horizon line is uh sometimes comically short like if you didn't have the racing line you literally could not tell the turn was right in front of you um so i found the racing line hugely uh hugely helpful
0: yeah uh it's it's funny that you're mentioning <laughs> like oh the the amounts going off into the distance is is limited for me the, the the problem was the the peripheral vision as i'm going around a sharp corner i can't see ar- <laughs> around the corner so for me that's oh, the thing yeah, that i that kept too. struggling with is like uh, when i'm entering a corner i can't see where the exit is you know what i mean uh, yeah so that, yeah totally that was the uh the the struggle for me but uh, i mean surely
1: like, you had a few moments where it was like oh there's a turn there N- not really. <laughs> I mean, the is, racing line, I guess is the savior that, there.
0: But. Yeah. That's the thing is if you, if you pay attention to the racing line, if you played racing games with the racing line, you know that like, Oh, if the, if the racing line swings out to the right, there's going to be a turn to the left coming up soon because you swing out to the right so that you can cut in and oh, hit the apex on the left hand turn.
1: That's okay, a, see, that's a racing. See, my friend. I, I was not using the racing line for uh placement within the, uh track very much i mean i realized sort of by the end i should be doing that but i, I was mostly just using it for its color telling me when i need to slow down
0: yeah um, yeah which it, which is fine i mean the thing about uh racing line is like in video games racing line gets treated as like this sort of objective truth of like this is the racing line this is the fastest way to the get optimal around. route Right. Which was, isn't exactly true. The racing line is basically the fastest line around the track that you can do consistently without, uh, you know, putting too much wear into your tires, for example, or something like this. So, uh, racing lines are, are, are not a hard and fast rule, but they are a really good way to teach you how to get around, uh, the lap like consistently pretty fast. Um, and they are, uh, obviously the line you pick is very important for like actual racing. Uh, but, uh, I mean, in order to pass somebody, only one person can be on the racing line. So, uh, you yeah. have to learn to be able to, uh, you know, drive offline and figure out different ways, you know, r- rely on your car to brake super late or do something else to, uh, get past somebody, which, uh, it brings me to another strength of this game, which I felt like the, um, while at times I felt the steering was a little squirrely. Uh, I felt like it worked really well for like, all right, I've lined up an overtake on this guy. I'm going to come up to the back of him. I'm going to get up really close and then just whip the wheel and whip around him really quick. And I feel like I got to a point where I could execute that pretty, uh, pretty uh, consistently. uh, And that felt great. I was like this, this game good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, Another thing that was kind of fun
1: um there's maybe less realistic is uh you know you can be well actually less realistic but feeds into the um the race car fantasy in a nice way it is uh just that you know your car is indestructible and you can be yeah. super aggressive <laughs> when overtaking uh-huh. um which i think you know although it'd be cool to have you know a damage model damage <laughs> model i think that even if you did have that you would want it to be really generous because um it's hard as fuck to it's drive. hard not to bump into other cars in a racing game so you yeah. want if if you want to encourage the player to be aggressive in their passing you have to yeah. <laughs> make their car a little bit invincible
0: yeah yeah definitely i think uh this game would be uh, quite a bit less fun if i was uh You know, the controls were tough enough that if uh, if there was actual damage modeled, I don't think I ever would have uh, finished a race. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) Yeah. And also the race, the laps are like not short. No. Um, And that's actually uh, another thing I'm glad you brought up because uh, all these tracks are uh, based on real tracks uh, and many of which I've, you know, played in the game and watched races at. So it's it was it was cool to see you know you can go what what's up? Oh no, I was I said just huh? Like oh yeah yeah because like I mean uh, that's another part of the sort of like pomp and circumstance of F one is it's like oh prestigious racing historical relevance you know they're all very (laughs) hoity toity about how they're the fanciest best racing in the entire world the most prestigious racing series in in the world Uh, but and which is a lot of that is kind of bullshit, but that a lot of the part of the fun is that like, that is kind of true. Uh, but, uh, one of the things that I think is really fun is the, the locations of F1. It's like a pretty global sport and, and yeah. there's a lot of sort of like iconic tracks. And, uh, you know, I'm very glad that he had spa Franka in here. You know, you can, you can do the, the classic, uh, you know, complex of, uh, a Rouge Radeon, and, uh, I was surprised. I, I thought this game was going to be kind of like flat as a pancake cake. Like it's 3d, but it's all on one plane. But no, sure enough, you have like yeah. the 3d of, you know, swooping up radio. It's so, uh, did you race at spa? Do you remember? Uh, I would remember
1: if you tell me which one that one is numerically.
0: Numerically, the, the first, I think second, it's second, like third, number
1: f- four, maybe. probably not
0: then. Oh, really? Okay. I did the
1: first three a bunch and then the last one a couple times.
0: Okay. Yeah. Spa has, it's like probably the most famous corner in formula one, uh, uh, where it's this, it's this big sweeping right hand turn while you go up a big ass hill. Uh, and it looks really impressive when the modern cars do it because they generate so much downforce that they just like fly up this hill at full throttle. And it looks, it looks crazy and like, it shouldn't be physically possible, Uh, but for these cars, it's not really that big a deal. Um, so it was cool to have, uh, things like that in here. And, um, I believe that these tracks are, uh, modeled after the versions from around like era appropriate because the the cars in this game are kind of like based on the like late 80s cars D- it looks to me late 80s early 90s cars and the tracks many of the tracks have been changed for safety reasons or for one reason or another over the years so i'm assuming that some of the differences i noticed in the tracks were that the track has been changed since then and that they race a different version of it but they still had some like at suzuka they have like 130r classic you know you know, classic Formula One stuff—a uh, turn with a name that everybody knows—and people are just like, "Wow, that overtake at 130 r R—really, really ballsy stuff! Amazing." You know what I mean?
1: I don't, but I'm glad that you've described it to me. As now, I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, do you have anything else to say about uh, Mott's Grand Prix? Um, no, we
1: got through. Uh, we got through everything I
0: had uh, to say. Um,
1: so. I, uh, I guess I just want to add that it is, it really is, uh, an impressive, uh, game. So you should check it out if you're at all interested by the conversation we've had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will agree with that. It's, it's a fun time. Uh, enjoyable game. I think, I think Jordan has shown clearly that, you know, you don't have to enjoy formula one to, uh, <laughs> to, to enjoy this game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. I don't. Um, you know, yes. nothing
1: against formula one but uh uh-huh. yeah if it if if i can find something in this game anyone can yeah uh, so certainly. yeah check out Mott's grand prix by uh tom mulgrew um great so i guess with that we can talk about our game for next time oh boy which will be something a little bit uh different so um this is we're gonna play the original um game jam uh prototype that led to uh daniel mullen's inscription which is a deck building roguelike that has been uh i mean if you are in any part of (laughs) games like news you will have uh, heard about it's sort of made a big splash uh Mm -hmm. over the past couple months but it was originally a game jam game so we are um trying out another uh sort of special topic episode this one is be a little bit different from the seminar episode that we did Last time, this special topic is uh, provisionally titled From Jam to Gem, and we mm-hmm. kind of want to... I came up with that. Yes, all credit so uh, to Blake. Um, but the idea behind this uh, new segment is we'll periodically feature some game that has... Um, it doesn't have to literally be a game jam, but some game where there was a, a like prototype or uh, early version that um, the developer created and they later uh, spun it into a full full release so uh really can't imagine a better debut for the for the segment than um uh inscription oh actually i guess i should say the actual title which is sacrifices must be made um so it is uh the well I won't say anything else in case you yeah. want to play Inscription because it's a big spoiler. So, so yeah, I guess that's the, the other special thing to say about this, about next time's episode is a uh, double spoiler warning. You should go play Inscription before you listen to that episode. And then yes. you can also probably play Sacrifices Must Be Made.
0: I, I, um, you know, honestly, you could probably play Sacrifices Must Be Made. And if you're like, this is cool, then go play Inscription because it's just a full version of that. Although, also, yeah. I believe uh, on Steam, Inscription has like a demo that you can play. Um, oh, sure. To to try out the uh, see if you like the card game that is sort of the the base the basis for the whole game. But I um, do
1: also highly recommend Inscription. It's a great game. So yeah,
0: yeah. I think part of <laughs> part of the reason, uh, first of all, you know, uh, the two of us have played in- Inscription over the last like month or two, uh, and really enjoyed it. And then I found out there was a jam game, and I'm like, "Wow, we should play that game." Jam. And like, "What if we, what if we use that as a way to dovetail?" I'm like, "Jordan, okay, new special topic. Let us talk about inscription."
1: <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> but it, it actually, I think, um, I you know, I was thinking about it, and I think this is a common enough uh, phenomenon that it it could be a recurring uh, yeah, recurring yeah.
0: I mean, so totally.
1: So yeah, totally. hopefully, hopefully we'll be uh something we do again so next time we will be playing sacrifices must be made uh we'll talk about that game talk about uh um its successor inscription um if that's an episode you want to listen to and you want to get an update when it's released you should follow us on twitter uh at EdgeGuardCast. uh that's where we release all the updates for the podcast uh links to new episodes um links to the games we play that sort of thing so if you're interested in getting those update updates make sure to follow us there um so uh Once again, that's at EdgeguardCast, and um, we will talk to you next time.